Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and Pastor Adam Osher wrap up Part 1, Article 1 of the Small Called Articles, looking at a New Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and errant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. All right. Welcome to our, our New Testament episode on the first part of the Schmalkald Articles. There you go. I said... I, I thought did, you were going to say schmear. schmear. <laughs> You're be thinking about bagels and schmear. <laughs> I, I'm listening or reading through uh, Lord of the Rings, Schmeagle. You know, I think Schmeagle. It, yeah, right? Schmeagle. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Anyhow, the yeah, Trinity. The Trinity. Yeah, we're talking about the Trinity. Uh, last time, looking at uh, passage in Job, and uh, today, as is our custom in the New Testament, in uh, John chapter one. Yep. Yep. Verses one through two. That's that's where we're hanging out today. And since we're talking about God, and you already brought Lord of the Rings up, I should just probably mention Tom Bombadil right now, just to get scratch that itch for everyone else. And, <laughs> and keep going. I now know what you're talking about because I've I've read uh, read through but that now. Then the Tom Bombadil yeah. section yeah. in the uh, fellowship is amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No idea what you're talking about. Have you never read the Fellowship? <laughs> no, I, I watched the movies and it's ten and yeah, a half hours edited, I yeah, wanted the, back. The movies don't have Tom this character. Yeah, they edited it. Tom Bomb. Yeah. That's the most egregious thing. Yeah, and and I get that he really wouldn't add to the movie. I, I get the whole <laughs> editing decision, but when your movies are like fourteen hours long anyway, you could probably right. squeeze Tom Bombadil into yeah, the movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners like me, so th- this character Tom Bombadil is this kind of I don't know if like a loopy. Uh, uh, he's a. Uh, well, not loopy. He's just kind of a carefree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a spirit. You know, he's just merry. Ho, hello. Yeah, he's merry yeah, and jolly. Yeah, yeah, right. Just kind of talking like that. Yeah. He's Santa Claus in baggy clothes. <laughs> well, that's good, Brett. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Santa Claus and the sorry, Trinity, Sam Wilson. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, mysteries, right? Yes, mysteries. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's read John one, and we can launch into our discussion here. Uh, Sorry about that. Okay, that yeah. was my fault. Uh, all right, John one uh, one through two says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Go through five, not two. Oh, okay. Sorry, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not any was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right, here ends the reading today. Yeah, there's a very important Amen. progression there in verses. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Thanks for interrupting the yeah. reading. Yeah. No, it's, it, when at all possible, it's good to go by the whole paragraph, especially yeah. when it's only five yeah. verses long. But, well, how, do we just want to get after the Jehovah's Witnesses now? Oh, I was going to. That's the first <laughs> yeah. thing I was thinking of. Were you guys on campus here when uh, the Jehovah's Witness came uh, through each of the seminary housing units? 
No. Oh, oh <laughs> really? Wow. So, that was a miscalculation. <laughs> okay. So anyhow, uh, we were we were living on campus at the time. Oh, and, I heard about this. And yeah. so they they came to every single door, and and uh, we were living more in the middle portion. So they had already been to like you know four or five uh, house or apartment units, and and uh, they we started talking about John one one, and the guy the poor guy said. You guys have all said the same thing, and just <laughs> was it just all haggard and like exhausted? Yeah, right. He, he had been through uh, five seminarians, I guess, uh, by that time. Little disheveled, yes, his ties yeah. up. So. <laughs> but he did earn something for that. I guess so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There was oh. some obedience there that was. was oh, I actually had a, a Jehovah's Witness come to my house when it was parsonage when I lived in in uh, a church. I, I was pastor of a church in Central Minnesota, and the. The, the Jehovah's Witnesses came up and they asked a question and I, it was a Saturday morning and I wasn't being, I wasn't very nice. Uh, it was, or maybe it wasn't Saturday. It was my day off, whatever it was. I was home and kind of in, in shorts and a t-shirt and, and I was, you know, it was cold. And so I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to sit at the door. And so the first thing I did was I asked, do you believe Jesus is God? No, I do not. Okay. Then I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't exactly probably the way a pastor should do this. But anyway, what, what I thought was going to turn into a, the leave me alone now. And that wasn't, you know, God's like, nah, nah, you're going to, you're going to have a little bit more with this. So I ended up in a conversation with them for about an hour and they came back a second time with like a special with the elder pros, yeah. Yeah, with the, and, and all of these conversations. And we got into this conversation about John chapter one, which it says, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word is revealed of course, is the one made flesh later on in the passage is yeah. Christ. And so Christ is God. You make that you know assumption very quickly. And and so, well, no, but the Greek doesn't say the uh, or God. It says a God or it allows, and it doesn't say a God. There is an absence of an article there, but it's not necessary. I'm, I'm boring our listeners at this point who don't know or care about Greek. But all that to say, we went around and around and they have their answer. Later on, though, I find out that as I'm reading through the passage, and it was maybe it was a Gospel Coalition article or something like that that I read, and it says when you when you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness, don't go to chapter, don't go to one, don't go to one one, go to one three, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, when it says that nothing was made, that was made. You know, without him, he, without he made, him was not anything made that was made. And know? so he's made. Well, did he, so he made himself. And their only answer is, well, he was made, and then he made everything else. Well, nah, now That's we're getting a little loose and free, <laughs> Mister. I want to, you know, stick, you know, with exactly what the Greek says. And so that was an eye-opening argument for me. Is that okay? So if he is not made, he, you know, he's probably God. Mm-hmm. Can we can we play that game? If it was not made, it's probably God. Is that a fair yeah. statement? Yeah. yeah. This uh, this telephone was it made? Not made. It's, it's kind of like if it doesn't have a tail, it's not a monkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except uh, that it's logically consistent. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. I just got a personalized letter from a Jehovah's Witness yesterday in my mail. Ooh, nice. And so yeah, it's about the coming uh, kingdom. No, about if I want to know who's really in charge. Oh, I, I, oh, interesting. I thought about responding. like, I'm pretty sure I know who's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that one down. But yeah, it's, um, I'm trying to realize, should, should, I, I really want to be uncharitable here because it makes me laugh. The, the, one of my favorite internet memes of all time is, uh, it says, Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate Halloween. What 
You don't like random strangers coming to your door? <laughs> oh, no. That's mean. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> so, the, again, we start with a conception of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And, and where last week we moved from the Trinity to creation, now we move backwards from creation to the Trinity. And, and, and the whole purpose is God reveals himself in creation. So if he's revealing himself, he ultimately has to enter creation. And the Jehovah's Witness answer to that and the Muslim answer to that and really the Mormon answer to that is Jesus was created. No, 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 no. God entered creation and John opens up his whole gospel. Let me make this clear. He was God. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the beginning was the word. Jesus, you know, the word became flesh. He's going to say that in 13 verses. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then like you said, in case, in case we want to play it fast and loose with the Greek and and add the invisible a there, that's not there. (laughs) Then in verse three, all things were made through him and was not without him. Not anything was made that was made. So Jesus is either made or he's not made. Mm -hmm. If he's made, he's not God. If he's not made, he's God. He's God. That's my game. He can't make himself, right? And that Jesus enters into creation. Jesus is not created. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the big distinction. And the whole point in systematic theology, or, or rather confessional theology, we do it with the creeds, and we did it in the catechism through the creeds, and we did it in the Augsburg Confession, now we're doing it here, is that mm-hmm. the Trinity gets us to Jesus in the proper way. Hmm. That's the sure. point. Sure. One of the things that come up, uh, that comes up sometimes as we talk about the Trinity is that doctrine of, and, and this is actually going to get me into some trouble, especially, you know, on a live mic, but you know that, that when we talk about generation spiration, do you, do you remember that? The doctrine of generation, the doctrine of spiration, and the idea that um, there was a, a point at which the son became the son, <laughs> you know, or was begotten. Yep. You know, uh, th- there was that point. So that that's the, the doctrine of generation, that he was begotten, uh, but when we start saying point of time, then we get into trouble with eternity. Do you guys remember the discussions we had about this in seminary? Vaguely, vaguely. Um, and, and that was, is an interesting one, too. And so the, the spirit, as he proceeds from the Father and the Son, which we'll talk about, I think, next maybe week. next next yeah. week, actually. The Father is begotten of no one. The Son is begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and yeah. the Son. So the filioque thing. And uh, Anyway, I just was wondering if you guys remember that doctrine and how, how does that apply here? How, how do we correctly correctly articulate that? Well, we go back to the confession of the Trinity in the small called articles of that the Holy Trinity is a divine mystery. And and the generation spiration thing to me is answered in the divine mysteries, the three great mysteries of the church. There's more mysteries, but the three great mysteries of the church are one is the Trinity and we cannot comprehend that. The second mystery, which answers ge- generation, is the two natures of Christ, mm-hmm. right? So that Christ has existed for all time and before time and outside of time because he's the second person of the Trinity, but Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, mm-hmm. right? And so that Christ has a divine nature and Christ has a human nature, but he does not, there's not two Christs, but there's one Christ. So we use the same kind of language of the Trinity, 
And then for us as Lutherans, then the third mystery is the sacraments, Hmm. right? Is that Jesus, fully divine and fully human, puts his body and blood in, with, and under the bread and wine of communion. The sacramental union is the third mystery of the church. Sweet. We got another set of three for yeah. our twos and threes. Yeah, for the twos yeah. and threes, the patterns. So so that's how you look at it. And that doesn't necessarily answer spiration, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it answers generation, right? And so that what you're looking at is the existence of Christ's human nature. There was a time when Christ's human nature did not exist. Mm-hmm. But now Christ's human's nature exists into eternity future. Mm-hmm. Christ himself as a person also existed into eternity past. Mm -hmm. So that's the doctrine that's at play with what we're talking about. And that's why the whole point of the Trinity is not to just confuse people, but to, you know, the Trinity gets us to Jesus because Jesus has to be divine or he's not a savior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I found interesting, somebody asked this question, might have been in class or it might have been my kids, uh, where we were talking about uh, who was Jesus's dad, which uh, I don't know, remember Through how, Christmas time. And or yeah, Advent. it might've been my mm-hmm. kids. We were talking about who was Jesus's dad. Well, I was like, God, yeah, but like who, how did he, you know, because you need a mom and a dad. And I said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. You know, he was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. It had to have been my kids because I don't think yeah. the college kids would have gone quite that direction. They probably yeah. would have had a little bit more. Adam's uh, in worldview class. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. Talk to your parents, kids. No. Um, and, and we were talking about that. It, it's interesting how, and it hit me for the first time, we're thinking about DNA and we're talking about that with our kids, like the, the nature of how humans become human and, and how a mom and a dad are both necessary in that, that uh, process. The talk. Yeah. Well, the, the talk we did, we had the talk. <laughs> Let me tell and, you about the birds uh, yes, and the bees. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting. You can honestly, you can proclaim yeah. the glory of God in that talk too. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's what we did. And so I said, so you have these, these cells in which God has designed us to be, to have all of the all of the information needed to make a human being in this stuff called DNA, and so you have these two cells, and they each have some DNA, and they and, and those that DNA comes together, and it makes a person. And well, what about the? And so that, of course, well, what about the other half of the DNA? And I was like, well, don't know all the details about that with Jesus. <laughs> However, I know that he was yeah. fully man, so he had it, and I know the Holy Spirit was a part of creating that. And so I, I think if the Holy Spirit can speak, you know, light into existence, he can go ahead and speak piece of DNA into existence as well. But the necessity of that was what stuck out to me. It, and that hit me as I was describing it to my kids, is that the the condemnation of Adam and the sin nature that, you know, the, the condemnation of sin that, that, you know, we all fall under, we are all fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God was reinvested into, <laughs> I mean, was restored in, in humanity in the incarnation. Am I right on that? From our human human perspective. Now, this is not to say this is exactly what happened because we're probing the mysteries of God here, something Mm -hmm. we've condemned multiple times. From our human perspective, Jesus has the same DNA Adam did before the fall. It's DNA that God spoke into existence, that God molded into existence, and that has not been corrupted by the the taint of sin. (laughs) So so you're saying 
that it's is that the whole of DNA that's corrupted by sin? Now, now this is fun. See, we could do this. Yeah. This makes for yeah. fun listening. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll go around in circles. I was going to say, if we could find the sin gene and get the CRISPR out, we wouldn't need you know get the CRISPR <laughs> to work on that. We wouldn't need Jesus. So it, it's the whole, but it's the whole of DNA that's t- it, the, right. all of the blueprints have been smudged. You know, yeah. you know, right? It's but it's. From a from a doctrine of creation, Romans is very helpful in that because Adam's the first Adam, Jesus is the second Adam, and mm-hmm. that gets us to yeah. think, okay, Adam's DNA Not came yours. directly from God, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Adam the first, his DNA came directly from God, and yet he was fully human. So God can do that with Jesus because he's already done it once. And this is goes exactly what back to what I was talking about two weeks ago, that the the whole point of Genesis 1, 2, and now 3 being in the Bible is to get us to the point where now we can be saved. You know, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are in service of the doctrine of redemption, not in service of the apologetic against evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if the, I mean, if you fall into the chicken egg argument, you know, right. where Jesus, he couldn't be man unless he had a mom and a dad. Well, Adam was fully man, didn't have a mom and a dad. God's, because mm-hmm. DNA is created matter and God can speak that into existence. Yeah. yeah interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, in, in all of that, like you said, it's kind of delving into mysteries and minutiae. But, yeah. but to me, the thing that in, intrigued me about that, just to kind of put a bow on this, is that it gives, you know, the whole argument of, you know, Christians are just, just believe in mysticism, which we've talked about in the recent weeks, right? But the, the Christians are just mystics. No, I think there was some very practical, very real, very biological things that needed to happen when the son became man, right? He didn't become, but he became man, right? Yep. And and that, I, there's some very biological things. And that was what stuck out to me. Not so much as to what, what did this look like? What was God's, you know, or is there a sin gene, that sort of thing. But but at the end of the day, that no, God had some very practical ways in which he's capable of speaking things into existence. But I don't think he did so outside of how he ordered the world to exist with Adam. Mm-hmm. Well, and Christians are mystics, but only at the point of the mystery. So when we we're probing creation or when we're probing scripture, when we're left with a mystery, we say, okay, that's a mystery. And we praise God for it. We can praise God for the Trinity. In fact, we do it regularly because God gave the church the gift of the song, holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, we, we can praise God for the mystery of the Trinity. We praise God regularly for the mystery of the two persons, two natures of Christ, that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And we praise God regularly for the mystery of Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. I can't tell a single person how the bread and wine are the body and blood of Christ, but I can say that they are. And that's mystical. That's an element we have to take on faith. Right. Right. But that element is real. It's right there. We're not, you know, we're not left floating through the ether defining our life by that. It's that the mysticism takes place at the boundary and not in the center. Mm-hmm. When you say, I'm glad you explained that because when you started saying that we're we're mystics at the point of the mystery, mm-hmm. I was thinking that's like saying I'm a glutton only when I overeat. Well, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, but, I get it. But yes, I mean, it's like uh, we there's a whole category in Christian theology. It's the mystical union, right? Right. Yeah, but with yeah. but with all of that, and I agree 100 percent with what you're saying. With all of that, my only point is that if um, 
just just because we don't understand the mystery of it all doesn't mean that there isn't a a tangible scientific reason for something you know like with the you know w- that we don't understand you know that that is real that we just don't know you know because God hasn't revealed it to us but I'm saying that God operates in normal means and yeah. functional ways that we that you know that are observable but he's not let us observe those yet mm-hmm. and and maybe you would say and this just danced in my head and I, I uh, I'll maybe walk this back later or not but for who we are as humans and for what we know as creation you know in creation the the answer because I'm god is a scientific answer because right. that's a reality Fair. in in yeah. creation right and and god gets us to those points in scripture in creation and as we stop because I'm god and we say, okay, but the the whole, maybe the, the thing that ties a bow on all of this as we consider Jesus as divine in mm-hmm. the first chapter of John yeah. is that all of the mysteries are informed by the concrete realities in scripture. Right. Right. And so the mystery of the Trinity is that God has revealed himself to us in creation, natural revelation and special revelation of Jesus Christ through the word. Right. The mystery of Jesus is that we have the proof of his life, the proof of his death and the proof of his resurrection to show us that he was divine. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And the mystery of creation is that God has given us the objective promise of the gospel and he's tied it to a physical element. That's not the mystery of creation, the mystery of communion, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so all of our faith is anchored to the concrete so that we can reach out towards the mystery, but we never live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't just jump right into the, the mystery. Yeah. yeah. And to live in the mystery, yep. that's to be Gnostic because you mm-hmm. need special knowledge. You need to despise the concrete. You need to despise the created. And that's an inversion of the Christian faith. We can embrace the mystery, but we're never anchored to it. Mm. Yeah. That's sure. a helpful way to, to phrase that. Yeah. I think in, in, in this text too, I think we've, <laughs> we've mm-hmm. done, I, and that's my fault. Pretty I far afield. From, we, we have yeah, run a far yeah. field. Yeah. But the, um, the passage that we're in, you know, First John, or not First John, John well, one, it's the first John. Yes, the Gospel Zero of John. John, the first chapter, <laughs> fourth verse. <laughs> in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then it says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome yeah. it. Yeah. It goes back to the the nature of creation, right? And how we talked a few. I don't remember how many weeks ago now. It would have been some time ago, but we talked about how. God in the beginning spoke and he spoke life uh, and he spoke light, excuse me, into existence. And that was a foreshadowing of the fact when God speaks, things happen. And, And so when Christ came, who was the living word, his word of, you know, his proclamation, it not least of which was it is finished is the declaration that our sins are forgiven and that we have life now in him. Mm -hmm. So he's speaking that life into existence through his own Testament. The the word made flesh is, is the one speaking is the one confessing. And when that happens, things change. Now, when there's a really important theological progression, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning when you were done reading Brett, but it's, it's really important because of what you just said that we realize it. Okay. We start, our starting point is God. And and that's the starting point of scripture, right? In the beginning, God, right? Mm -hmm. The starting point is God from God. There's creation. The purpose of creation is life, and the life is the light. Mm-hmm. So that, that gives us God's whole mission statement in five verses. Hmm. 
And yeah. it, it's the life. And, and what yeah. life? Well, first the created life, physical life, but that the life that's being talked about here, the, the life that's the light of men, that's eternal life. That's redeemed life. The whole purpose of God's creation is redemption in Christ. It, it comes round to that so that even in these first five verses, you've got the gospel packed right at the center of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, fantastic. That's, and that's maybe a good place to end this, this episode. Any, any closing thoughts here? I don't think, I don't so. think so. Yeah, good. Ending with the a good word. Good word. Generally good idea. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are invited to the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary on March 13th and 14th as we hear from best-selling author Nancy Piercy. Professor Piercy will share insights from her books on gender and sexuality, demonstrating on how a biblical worldview is the solution to the challenges facing society as well as the church today. Register for live stream or reserve a seat at flbc.edu slash events. God bless you and have a great week.